Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Cities by Night. Homecoming is our second story arc that takes place in the spring of 2010 and then Twin Cities in Minnesota. Follow the story of Ophelia, a Toreador played by Alex, Jonathan, a Venture played by David, Katow, a Gangrel played by Joaquin, and William, a Venture played by Slavic, as they once again find themselves working together to find out who, or what, is targeting them and those close to them. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach out to us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Game time right now. It's May 1st, 2010, which is a Saturday. The first scene is going to be set at Elysium, which is at the Hawthorne Country Club, pretty much a country club that resides along the shores of the Missouri River. And basically it consists of having a real nice golf course, a real nice country club area where curved drivery that you see where it kind of drives around the front door and they have chauffeurs who, who go ahead and take your car or excuse me, valet who takes your car and parks it for you after the, after around 10 or 11 at night, you know, there's a sectioned off area for VIP members, of course, which is for the kindred of the Twin Cities, which is Minneapolis and St. Paul. Currently, invitations was sent out to all kindred of the city to attend so the scene's going to start where you four are in elysium everyone is milling about there's roughly 25 to 30 kindred right now uh, milling about that well milling about different areas milling about the the library that i told you guys about the the nice huge kind of dining hall lounge area where there's a huge picture glass window that faces the missouri river and the golf course you kind of can see it the snow's gone now Obviously, the winter or the summer is starting to come in. The three rivers are starting to gain a life again. You know, a lot of gentrification going along around there. The nightlife is a little bit more out there. Easier to feed. Mosquitoes are in the air. Birds are in the air. And kind of the the, the somber tone of the winter is gone, but still the somber tone of of kindred life is still lingering around you guys. Tell me what you guys are all wearing. Where are you kind of standing about right now? I'm going to start with you, Alex, Ophelia, Juno. Go ahead. I'm just wearing like a coat, and you know I look kind of businessy. I'm having a chat to old. Oh, I always forget his name. Lawrence Miller. Lawrence Miller. I'm just having a wee. I'm I'm standing off to the side with him, and they can hear me having a bit of a chuckle every now and then. For those of the players or the people who don't know or even the players, Lawrence Miller is the harpy of the Twin Cities. He's an African-American gentleman, usually pretty well dressed, around six and a half feet tall, 200 plus pounds, very articulate, kind of has some femininity to him. And that's that's who he is for now. We'll delve into that later. What about you, Mr. Jonathan Chase? And kind of a non sequitur. Um, what's the name of the club? Is there a name for the club? that we're Yeah, Hawthorne Country Club. Hawthorne Country Club, okay. Um, John's wearing a, a white dress shirt with the sleeves rolled up, uh, slightly buttoned down a little bit, brown jeans, and looks a little disheveled. Oh, wow. Interesting. Talk to anyone? Are you just on your own, Chase, or what? Is, is there an open bar? There's an open bar. And by the way, uh, that that's a good question. I kind of, I don't know, different people run Elysium different ways, or like people drink blood out of decanters. That doesn't really go on. In this game, you know what I mean? 
to intermingling. I mean, there's a bar there for appearances sake, obviously, but there's really no one serving right now. So, Well, Let's someone's going to – I'll serve myself then. Okay, Katal. <laughs> Uh, okay, so in the last few months, I'd say Katal probably like, got himself like a like a cheap suit just because he realizes like, yeah, I'm gonna have to get my arms covered, just like just and make it so that it doesn't, it's not just immediately obvious that I'm co- trying to cover it. Oh, yeah, that's very that's a very good idea. Yeah, you're you gonna kind of be on mingling on your own, or are you gonna be talking to anyone, or you're just yeah, gonna kind of be? No, probably not mingling. Just probably just like sitting in the corners, like, okay, I'm here. Mr. William Strother, what what are you uh, rocking? Mm. Yeah, uh, okay, he'll probably be in a navy blue blazer and some khakis and just not really business professional, just business casual. Probably be, he'll probably be trying to talk to the Seneschal Brian about, you know, stuff, nothing in particular. Maybe trying to ask him what boon he'll want from William. Okay. Definitely. So what we're going to do is I'm going to do the next scene and then I'll kind of hand it over to you guys. All right. So you guys are standing about doing whatever kind of waiting until you see an area that you guys have never really been back in there in the or first before that for people who are lingering, like in the library, a, ser- uh, a servant comes and kind of, you know, politely to ask everyone to kind of make their way towards the towards the more lounge area where everyone's standing about sitting at different tables with the view and everything. I'm going to grab a bottle, a single malt and a glass and take it with me. Then you see Philip Brentwood comes walking in the room. He's wearing like a really well tailored gray charcoal suit. Kind of has a sky blue shirt underneath it with a darker blue pattern tie, uh, very high polished shoes. He walks in, he just kind of, you kind of get the feel. He exudes a, almost like leadership qualities, but a confidence that, that you often don't see pe- in people. So you kind of see people are starting to be quiet, are kind of starting to tone down their conversations and everything. So he's standing there and he opens up his hands. He's like, thank you, everyone. I, I'm glad you guys took time out of your busy evenings i know you each have your own individual lives i usually don't try to take away from them that much but i just kind of want to get you here to make an announcement that i think would help strengthen our community here and also give us different ways to where we can uh, communicate and, and mingle amongst each other kind of cut to the point and without wasting anyone's time i wanted to announce that i'm officially making a second elysium in town one that it was kind of more open on a nightly basis that doesn't require us to have to gather here, uh, require staff to be here longer and can kind of help us promote the masquerade by uh, being so obvious with our, de- our gatherings. So the second Elysium is going to be Katrina Carrington's and kind of motions to her. And that's the Toreador Primogen. For those of you who don't know, I kind of, I, I described her in the first game. She's kind of a, a like a five foot five, uh, 120, 115 pound blonde lady has a kind of curly hair that she wears up in a bun. She's wearing kind of a, a nicer casual evening dress. Uh, and she, you see her sitting there with her legs crossed and she just kind of smiles at the prince. He's like her, one of her establishments that she owns in the city, a nightclub called the underground. She's more than willing to, to have us make it the status of Elysium. So the same rules apply that always ever apply to any Elysium, you know, uh, respect the feeding rules no use of disciplines, no violence, no obvious breaches in the masquerade, and she's willing to give the top floor for if anyone wishes to have any gathering or need to get together without having to worry about exposing himself to society and everything like that. So, and he, you know, he just kind of starts clapping, and you see like people around are starting to clap and everything like that. Hey, and he looks I'll at everyone clap, in the clap. maybe splashing some of my my whiskey all over <laughs> on the floor while I'm doing so. You guys are see, yeah, yeah, you guys are see like Jonathan Chase is kind of a hot mess right now. You know, he's kind of quick to the point. 
point. He's like, well, not to take up any more time of your time. You're more than welcome to stay here and intermingle. I'll let you each to your own. And uh, I hope you all have a good rest of your evening. And so he turns around as if he's walking a walk to a door that might be like a, uh, an area that you guys never been in. And he starts heading there until you hear the double doors where most people enter into Elysium bang open with a loud thud. One actually kind of comes off its hinges and falls to the ground. Jonathan, you're kind of sitting in the back. So like the door is like 10 feet to your left. You just see it like the one that falls off its hinges kind of just like hits the ground. You're like, what oh, the fuck? You know, and it might spill a little bit more of your drink. As a figure come walking in, she's an African-American lady. She's wearing like a gray charcoal pantsuit that most, you know, women in the, and tend to wear, not to get into politics, but like Hillary Clinton type suit. You know, she's not of athletic build, but she's of medium height, maybe average weight. She has her hair pulled back very tight in like a, in a bun. The first thing that you guys notice is she seems, her skin doesn't seem to be like the, I guess, a brownish. It seems almost grayish in, in its nature. And she's dragging someone by the neck. You've never seen the individual. You've never seen both of them. You guys definitely feel at e- unease with her, but you see she's dragging an individual by the back of the neck. He's a guy who has a short crew cut. He's a white guy. He's wearing jeans and a, and a t-shirt. And he, you see he has a panic look in his eyes. He's definitely paler, maybe of kindred background. And you see she just kind of has him like a, she would grab a dog. Just by, and he's he's pretty much, you could tell, giving up any hope of trying to escape. And you see her, she's walking and she's dragging this guy and she's paying no heed. And you see the prince turn around and he has a stunned look. I need a perception and alertness roll from everyone, please. And let's make it a difficulty seven. Oh, I didn't notice shit. <laughs> oh, Slava got four. I got two successes. Okay, so everyone who got success, this is, you notice the following. As you see her walk in, you see the prince is obviously stunned. And you noticed kind of, especially you, William, you notice a lot of the pre 45 or seemed almost like they're seeing a ghost to where like like they're shocked like oh shit the motherfucker just kicked down the door and then there's like what you know what i mean like a, like a just yeah. a look of of uh straight up confusion and not knowing how to react but you notice the prince doesn't have that quite that look of oh he's seen a ghost he's he's standing there and you see well kimberly i was gonna i wasn't expecting to exactly tell our population in this manner but I suppose you put it upon me where I need to tell. And she, she just kind of, you see, and the guy, and I'm going to have William notice this too. You see her hand as she's grabbing the kindred of uh, the, the kindred's neck that is by, that she has. She squeezes just a little bit more and you can hear the crunching of like vertebrae, mm-hmm. like on his neck. So, uh, which just kind of gives you, yeah, it gives you a, a scared feeling. So he takes, she takes this kindred and she just kind of slides him along the floor to where the, the prince has a sidestep a little bit until he hits the wall and he's just kind of sit there in shock, just staring. She's standing there and she's just kind of looking at the prince. You all see she's not even moving. And almost like she has intimidating for uh, those of you who notice in a way, because, I mean, while you have some little run-in uh, with maybe kindred who are, are elder than you, you kind of get that impression from from her that a more stone demeanor that just kind of is off-putting a little bit. Almost like you guys got from Jonathan after that night where he shot not too long ago, half a year ago, where he shot that guy at that get-together. So she looks at the prince and you can kind of, she's like, if you choose to tell or choose not to tell, it doesn't matter, but it's simply just going to be a fact now. And he's like, well, no. He's like, listen, Kimberly. And he kind of walks up to her and he's within like a few feet of her. He's like, I- I'll-, I'll tell them now. I wasn't planning to tell them now, but I suppose now is no better time than others. So he turns around, he looks at the group and he's like, and he's like, some of you may recognize Miss Harris here. And you see, and he's like a lot of stuff that she 
had been gone from us and was no longer part of our existence. But she ended up being uh, asleep for quite a long time. Now she is back. And with the honor of uh, someone her age and some of her prestige, we have chosen her to be a scourge of the city. She is no longer as she was before the Sabbat raid of 45 of Primogen of the Melkavian clan. And you just kind of see some of the elders again are still looking. He's like, so what we are going to do now is Tim has convinced me that we should probably reinstate a position that is not used that often anymore. And that's the, that's the position of scourge. Give me perception and awareness roll, everyone. Difficulty seven again. One success for me. And two another botch. How many for Catal? <laughs> Three. I got two again. You see uh, Ty Harper. For those of you who don't know, Ty Harper is the sheriff Bruja of the city. He's kind of a, looks like to be in his 50s. He uh, currently right now is wearing like a normal Cambry blue, you know, Cambry shirt that has like the first top couple buttons undone. He's wearing blue jeans with a pair of engineer boots underneath. He has some rings on his finger. One noticeably is a symbol that some of you probably don't recognize. None of you, but it's for like the 82nd Airborne, which is military division. He has kind of a couple chains around his neck. He has a handlebar mustache, a thick handlebar mustache and 12 o'clock shadow all over. And he's kind of balding. And you hear him say, maybe he meant to say it under his breath, but he uh, didn't, wasn't quite successful at it. You kind of hear him say, what what the fuck is this bullshit? You know? So we'll go back to Kimberly. Kimberly's standing there in a gray suit and she's just straight looking at the prince and she's like, so this morning he's going to be staked and we're going to leave him out for the sunlight for, for not reporting himself to the city. And she turns around, looks at the group and she's like, some of you maybe thought I was dead. No longer am I. But when I was asleep, I was dreaming. And I've woken up recently. I had visions that showed me that the end is coming near. And it is upon me to wake up. I had visions of people being put forth to death to draw attention to our kind. And I had visions that there are, there are, there are ticks that, and there are, there are rodents that are scurrying among our city that are going to bring pain to all of us. So it's on me to remove them. And I feel for you if it turns out that you've been tied in these or you've helped them at all. And she just turns around and kind of starts walking off. You see the prince and she grabs the, goes and grabs a kindred by the neck this time by the front and drags him up the wall and then turns around and is walking back towards the library and slams the door behind her, leaving everyone kind of sitting there aghast. Scenes on you guys. I kind of sidle up a bit closer to uh, Lawrence out of, I guess, a slight nervousness. Looking at him for a bit of security. <laughs> yeah. He looks at you and he's like, I have to go right now. I hope you understand. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you later. And he starts walking towards the prince. You see him go up to the prince and put like his hand on the back of the prince's shoulder as they head towards the library area. And you kind of see the primogen council kind of heading that way. And then you see the sheriff, Ty. He's just kind of storming after them like he's going to be led in the room. And you kind of see him talking to a gentleman who has short cropped red hair, has like a, a, a burn or looks like damage to the side, right side of his face. He's wearing like polo t-shirt and some khakis. He is actually the Bruja Primogen, yeah. whose name is uh, Christopher Connor. Christopher Connor. They turn around and you see them kind of like, they look like they're getting heated. And then finally Christopher turns around and lets them in the room. And then they close the door. And everyone else is kind of just standing there like, the fuck? Because pretty much all the post-45ers left, or the pre-45ers left and the post-45ers are sitting amongst each other right now go stand next to william pour myself more 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 whiskey <laughs> you see that bitch just kick that door down jonathan <laughs> i think you're drunk no nah, man you can't get drunk what are you talking about 
Yeah, so you, Alex, and, or excuse me, Ophelia and Katal, you see the two venture kind of like talking amongst each other right now. I think by this point, even like, like you seem, like Katal sort of like just thinks to himself for a minute, like, and has a good answer for this. He, he, he like, looks for bugs and just like, okay, I don't really want to do this, but this is definitely more important. You see bugs. He's kind of standing with two other gentlemen. Bugs Ducati, oh. for those you don't know, is, is one of the, one of the whips, or excuse me, one of the deputies. He's a gangrel. He has a really thick beard. Really thick. That pretty much goes from like the bottom of his eyes. It seems like he wears mirrored sunglasses, <laughs> like sh- like aviator glasses. He has a he has a greasy red bandana wrapped around his head, like just not over the top, but just folded. And he has like kind of like long, dirty blonde hair. He's sitting there wearing uh he's usually wearing like a jean jacket cut that has the hammerhead MC logo on the back, but he's not wearing that now. So it kind of just has like a white t-shirt, has some cheap tattoos, you know, that look like they might have done with, with a hanger and some ink. He's wearing jeans. He has a he's wearing, you know, cowboy boots right now. And he kind of sees you walking up. He's standing there with, with a tall African American guy who kind of has like a, he has a little bit of an afro, not too big of one. Who's wearing uh, black jeans, black boots, and he has kind of like a um a white like button up shirt. Usually he's wearing a black leather cut for the Hammerhead MC. His name is Richard Carter, but people call him Face. He, like people call Dupati Bugs. And then you see another guy with him who looks straight up like a hippie, has a beard, glasses, you know, a, a similar bandana wrapped around his head. Uh, this one's like a kind of a dirty blue one, long black hair. He's wearing like one of those hemp made. Like vest, you know what I mean? That people yeah. wear, you no know, shirt on underneath, has blue jeans on with, with like moccasin kind of shoes there. And he's standing there. Usually he has a cut on too, but he doesn't this time. And his name is William Whitmore, but people call him Tree. The, you're not quite sure why. Uh, you guys can piece together he's called Tree because he's probably a tree hugger or a hippie or tree some, hugging hippie. Yeah, yeah, some name he was given were Face. Uh, you know that he's of the Nosferatu clan, but obviously he's not standing there. He's obviously using something to hide his, uh, you know, you guys aren't too familiar with the Nosferatu clan anyway. So he's kind of heard, you know, through the grapevine that he's of Nosferatu. So you, uh, you're, you're walking up to them, Katal. Okay. So Billy's just like, should I, should we be worried about that or elder primogen just randomly wake up? What, what, what? As you're sitting there, Bugs takes like a pack of cigarettes that he has like rolled up in his white sleeve and he like undoes them. They're like camels and he like pulls a broken one out and lights it. You know, you can barely see the butt though hit his lips because he has like hair. You know what I mean? A mustache, everything that goes over it. And he takes a drag and he's like, look at Charlie got in the fucking wire again. And he starts laughing and shit. And he's like, uh, I don't know what the fuck to tell you, man. And he's like, he puts a hand on your shoulder and he, he kind of, he, he presses it a little firmly and he kind of looks at you and he's like, how's every, how, how's it going with you, man? I heard you had a, uh, uh, you were kind of busy six months ago, man. I haven't seen you around too much. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, did you, did you not see that? that what, what, what was that? That he's like he's like I don't fucking know what that is. He seems takes a drag. Give me a, a perception and empathy difficulty six. Sweet. And you what's your per- okay? You got two successes. You're kind of noticing that Bugs may be overcompensating, meaning he's probably just as nervous as you are, but he doesn't want to show it. So he's trying to show it by being funny. You know what I mean? So he's like I, I don't fucking know what that is, kid. I can tell you one thing though. My boss ain't too fucking happy about it. And it's just, you just kind of see the other two, and he's like. And you hear a tree guy, he's like, man, he's like, who the fuck has scourges anymore? Who the fuck even does that shit? And he's like, I always just thought that shit was a fucking urban legend, man. And he's like, I never even, never even heard of that shit in fucking, in the Bay Area at all, man. Fucking scourge. What the fuck are we doing now? 
What, what, what Do I see the uh, the deputies all BSing? Uh, I would say all you all you three kind of see the deputies talking to Katow. You can't hear what's going on, but you can kind of see that they're definitely having a conversation. I'm gonna go interject myself no, into no. their conversation. How you how you gonna interject yourself? I'm gonna I'm gonna walk up to him, take a swig of my bottle. Bug sees you as you walk up. Bugs look. He's like, look at we got a fucking regular Jim Morrison here. He's like, what's with this fucking act? And he's talking while he has a cigarette like dangling in his mouth. Well, I was just curious that, um, you know, with all the KTFs running around in this city, if you guys are going to be the next ones getting staked out. What he's looking at? What the, what the fuck you mean all the First, what do you mean by all the KTFs? And what the fuck you mean me getting staked out? Aren't you guys responsible for keeping track of that rabble? You, you just kind of see, uh, you kind of see it for a second, like his cigarette, like the end brightens, like he's taking a deep drag, you know what I mean? And he takes it out of his mouth and he kind of like throws it on the ground, not giving a shit that they're in this nice ass country club, you know, and he kind of puts it out with his boot and he's like, I'd watch your fucking words real close right now, kid. You're about to step into some shit that you're not going to be able to wipe off your shoe. I try, I try to like, like, just like sort of get between the just chase, just go back and drink. And just... He's like, listen, man, he's like, I just go back to wherever the fuck you came from, man. And he's like, the only fucking reason that, I, that I'm not losing my cool is two reasons, actually. One, I don't want to get yelled at by the boss because I'm in fucking Elysium. And two, that you've worked with my fucking buddy here. So just get on getting on, man. Get on getting on. Does he leave? Are you leave? What was that? Did you say that? Yeah, I'm going to say get on getting on. I'm going to slowly walk away. As he does that, as I turn back, he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's- <laughs> a bit of an idiot. I don't fucking care. He's like, everyone's in fucking shock right now. I mean, look what the fuck we just saw. I don't even know who the fuck that bitch is. And she's going to come in here like the strong African goddess and shit and then throw a body around screaming about us. What does she mean when she said scourge? What is that? And and you see, he's like, like, you're going to fucking tell him. He's like, I don't even really know too much about any kind of motion in that tree. And you just see like, and by the way, you know, that tree is a Tremere. I don't think I ever told you that, you know? He's kind of just sitting there. He's like, man, he's like, from from what I heard, is it's a position where they just used to wipe out fucking kindred who didn't report themselves to the prince or who weren't welcomed or who were KTs, man. He's like, I didn't even know we fucking had KTs in the city, man. And he's like, I don't even know who the fuck that was that she dragged in, that bitch dragged in, which has me wondering, like, is that... Is it a fucking KTF? Is it a fucking one of those fucked up independent clans? What, I don't even know what the fuck it is, man. I don't know either. That... that- that's freaked me out. He's like, well, he's like, fucking a lot of shit in this fucking town freaks me out sometimes, man. <laughs> you just kind of see, he's like, he's like, you're, he's like, you're ready to head out here, and he's looking at bugs. Are we gonna wait for the boss? He's like, oh, the boss can handle himself, man. He's like, let's go back to the club. I'm tired of being in the shit. Looking, and you see him just turn around and walk off, and you see like face and tree follow him, and I'll talk to you later, Charlie. What kid? <laughs> walk out the door and heads toward the exit, walking past like sideways, looking down the broken ass door. You know what I mean? Philia, what are you up to? Did, did I hear any of that conversation? I, I think I was kind of you avoiding kind of, the other guys. Well, I'm not going to say anything, but there's a way that you probably could have. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I mean, I might have heard snippets. So um, let's assume I heard the word KTFs and I kind of picked up from what everyone was chanting, okay. the, what the scourge does. My, my thoughts instantly went to the guy who we found in the basement at the Lilith party. I, I instantly kind of, my thoughts have gone through him wondering. Yeah, like, uh, if he's okay, what happened to him? You know, maybe he's already been staked, I'm not sure. But um, 
that's where my mind's at at the moment. You see William and Chase standing by each other. Katal, what, what are you? What are you doing now? Okay, definitely just just go way around Jonathan and just sort of like kind of make, make my way towards Philia uh, and just sort of like whisper. Okay, so yeah, the, the scourge apparently is supposed to like hunt down Cadus, and apparently they think they need scourge at this point. The deputies are just like that's not, that's not even a thing that's been done here for a while. Hello, Katow. Nice to see you again. It's been a while. At least you came and talked to me. I don't. I don't really want to talk to those other two. Uh, I'm hoping that since that business has concluded, that whatever happened with AMC. No one. Well, have any of you guys investigated or? No. I'd like to have done a little bit of research in AMC, considering that it had yeah. some connection with Colburn Trust. We'll take care of that once people leave Elysium. But that's a good question. I mean, if you guys have that together, was Jonathan okay? Like, <laughs> he looks like a mess. When was <laughs> As long as he keeps his messes to himself, I'm honestly fine with that. You're okay with sharing your messes, but you don't want to help with anyone else's. Are you guys all together now? Or are you guys two yeah, still yeah, separate? Yeah. Oh, you're all together. You all walk are together we? by each other. I guess okay. we, well, we. Yeah. So the ventures start walking towards you too, seeing you guys talk. Uh, you see them coming, but you see people starting to leave too. By the way, like folks are starting to leave, like they have nothing to. They're not wanting to stick around the bad vibes thing. You four are kind of standing there on your own now, pretty much, as you see the last few people leave. Okay, so do you? Any of you think that what we did with back six months ago might be related to this? Maybe. We didn't do anything six months ago. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, good. <laughs> Apparently, the Scourge is here to specifically to weed out everyone who hasn't already come forward to Elysium and say, hey, we're vampires. We're, we're joining you right now. Do we want to know what's going on in that meeting over there? Or no, it's not worth the trouble. Hey! I got an ideal, K-Tal. Why don't you go sneak in there and listen? And tomorrow morning, I'll be looking from a distance at you and other dude on Gal Gamela kissing the sun. Okay, <laughs> let's blow this joint. Just one more thing, Chris. Yeah. Do I do, like I mentioned, the guy that we rescued earlier, do I what was his name again? It was Carlos. Carlos. Carlos, Carlos yeah. I just want to mention to the other guys, do you think, what do you think's happened to Carlos? Do you think he's been scourged? I think he disappeared, like, out of town. I know I was here. As we're walking outside, I'm going to empty the bottle of whiskey on the floor and drop it. (laughs) Jesus. I'm going to put my hand up to my face and just kind of pretend that I don't know Jonathan as we're walking. (laughs) Time to go to Juno's. Yeah, woo, I was about to say that. Sweet, you guys are rolling back to Juno's. You guys are. If we want a place that's less occupied, we can go back to my place. Well, it's oh. the middle of the night. Right, it's empty. It's just an empty place right now. Where do you guys want to go? I vote Juno. You're welcome to come to mine. Yeah. Sure. Right. No All breaking right. anything, Jonathan. If you break it, you bought it. So you guys are rolling up. It's a it's a nice first of May. Things are green now at night, but um, you feel. Even though now that there's more, that's different. The fact that it's not so somber and depressing that it's still just as intimidating because it feels you feel more predatory with it being so being so warm out, with having more people out and about, with the signs of life there. It kind of even is a more of a stark reminder that you guys aren't really ones to fit in. That you have the capability to to pretty much pretty much in a way destroy what what the the sense that you're getting. You know, Uh, even with the fresh air and the smell of flowers and pollen and all that stuff too. So it's almost like even a worse reminder that you're different 
and that you're not meant to be you're not meant to be embedded in environments like this. So you guys get to Juno's. Uh, you three are kind of caught off guard because this is the first time you've been to Juno's for a while. Because like I said, all your interactions have probably been through like text message or you know what I mean, or mm-hmm. or once in a while a phone call. The first thing you notice is that while it has just recently closed mm-hmm. down, you see a figure uh, that you guys remember, uh, Gino the junkie, from when you guys were investigating Paul Hughes, former junkie, sitting there doing ledger work. She was uh, actually, I was going to tell you, Alex has shown in the last six months, yeah. has shown quite a potential, has stayed clean, has gotten one of her kids back, her uh, four-year-old son. She's actually stepped up to be a shift manager for the evening right. shift, you know what I mean? And so she, what she's doing is doing the ledger work right now. And she's sitting at the bar at one of the booths. She sees you walking in with the three and she just kind of, you see her like for, for a second, she kind of just is like, like you can see she wants to ask a question, but she knows not to ask a question. Like almost like she, she obviously doesn't know what you are, but she, I think she knows like you're kind of an odd individual, but she knows better than to ask. You know what I mean? Like she's indebted to you. So I'll just excuse myself from the other three for a second, go speak to her away from the others. And just ask how the night was, small talk kind of stuff, and just say, we're about to have a bit of a private meeting. So you go home, I can finish this up for you if you'd like. Yeah, yeah. She's like, sure, if that's what you want. Yeah, it's been going good. You know, the summer, uh, spring, summer rush is starting to happen, like we figured and everything. So business is good. We're keeping it up. She grabs her purse. You notice that her, you guys know she's healthier than, looks way healthier than she has. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.